Welcome to this week's energy show. As you know, the California drought is continuing. The Sierra snowpack, which is where we kind of save up a lot of solidified water for summer use, is virtually non-existent. It's the worst year ever for remaining snow up in the Sierras. You probably can only find little chunks of snow hidden on north sides of the mountains in, instead of you know, many feet that we'd have in some places. And we've continued to have way below normal rain this year. In a nutshell, it's the driest four years we've had in California history. It's going to take three or four years of heavy rainfall just to end this drought. And who knows if we're going to be experiencing that rain. Now, Governor Brown announced a mandatory 25% water cutback. The people in California have really responded pretty well. They've cut back their usage an average of 31%, but it's still not enough. And, you know, it's still not enough because you look at where the water use really happens in the state. And even if homeowners and, and apartment dwellers cut way back, we'd still have a problem. Now, everybody's talking about conserving water. You hear it on the radio, on TV. Literally, it's a conversation at the water cooler every once in a while. And you drive around neighborhoods and you see the lawns are turning brown. Hardly ever see a green lawn. And, and when you do see that green lawn, you think, hey, that might be you know, almost an antisocial person over there. And everybody's suffering through much, much higher water bills. Now, this has had a big impact on California's biggest industry, which is agriculture. You drive through the Central Valley, and you see empty fields. They're, they're fallow. You see some orchards that have trees that are just dead. The farmers decided for some of these high-intensity water crops not to keep them going. Almonds and walnuts use a lot of water. So they just kind of let the trees die. And even where you see the orchards are still continuing, you'll see a lot of the leaves on those trees are not a bright green. They're kind of a sickly-looking yellow. They're just kind of cutting back. So it's hit the farmers really, really hard. And they're spending a lot more money for water. Now, when we look at California water usage, we measure water in terms of a metric called acre feet. That's the amount of water it takes to cover one acre of ground, of land, one foot deep. Now, this is a really good metric for farmers because they're going to say, hey, I've got to go water these acres over here, and I'm going to put an inch of water over there, and that's how they measure it. But to normal people, it, it's kind of a, a number that means almost nothing. So, quick calculation, an acre foot is equivalent to 326 gallons. I mean, that number still means, like, almost nothing to me. I can't imagine how many bathtubs full is that. So, kind of stepping down... When we get our bi-monthly water bill, and here in California we're usually billed every other month, the water companies bill us in a metric called CCF, which is 100 cubic feet. So you can kind of imagine that as a box that's like 4.6 feet wide, 4.6 feet long, and 4.6 feet high. You know, hey, my kids used to play in a refrigerator box, and it's probably about the dimension of a refrigerator box. And that would be 100 cubic feet. Now, what does that mean in normal terms? 100 cubic feet is equal to 748 gallons in normal terms. And we all kind of know what a gallon's like. You know, that's one of those little red containers that you, you get gas in, or you have a half-gallon container of milk in the fridge. So we, we know what a gallon is, and that's kind of handy. So I think it's, now that we know what these metrics are, one more reminder 
of the breakdown of water usage in California. Who's using the water? Where is it going? Well, the reality is 79% of the water used in California goes to irrigated agriculture. That's for farmers irrigating their crops. And they need to do that because it's the biggest industry in California. The remaining 21% is what we call water usage for urban water use. Now, we're not going to really do anything about the irrigated agriculture, but now let's drill down a little bit in the percentages of that 21% that's urban water use. Out of that 21%, some of it's used for energy and industry, and that works out to be 2% of the total. So 2% of the total water use in California is for energy, gas plants, nuclear plants, coal plants. They use a lot of water, and you know the regular industry does too. So when you got a manufacturing plant or gasoline refining. 4% of the water in California is used for commercial purposes in businesses. You know, these are just companies that use water in those big buildings. 2% is used for large-scale landscaping. So that may be golf courses or commercial buildings that have big lawns. And, you know, a golf course, you want a nice green lawn. And uh, companies like to show a nice green lawn instead of this desert scape. So now we're kind of getting down to what we as homeowners can really address. 8% is for indoor residential use. So 8% of the water in California is what homeowners and apartment owners use inside their house. And 5% is used for outdoor residential use. That's basically watering your lawn and your plants and your trees and your garden. So it's interesting where if we're really going to affect the water usage in California, obviously we have to affect the, the agriculture and really look at, at finding ways to use that more efficiently. But then we also have to look at some of these other factors. And for homeowners, for people who are listening in, you know, what can you do about your water usage? I have some good, good suggestions. You may not like them, but we're getting to the point where it's getting desperate. And I think people are going to start taking some of these measures. Now, the good news is there are predictions that we're going to get a lot more rain this year. There's this thing called El Nino, and it looks like El Nino is very, very likely to happen this year. And what El Nino is simply a warming in the Pacific Ocean around the equator. And they found that when the Pacific Ocean around the equator warms up, so that's west of California, you know, southwest of California, it usually results in much wetter winters in California. So we're already starting to see that. Now, is it going to mean that the whole country is going to get more rain? Probably not, but the whole country is not suffering from a drought. We're really seeing most of that drought in the southwest U.S., and El Nino has a big impact on that. The last time we had a very big El Nino was during the winter of 1997 and 1998, and I remember that. That was just a wet, windy, terrible, nasty California winter. And we're all kind of looking forward to it again because we really need it. So good news about it looks like it's going to be a rainier winter. And more good news, you know, what can we do about it? We can't really affect the weather, but we can do things internally. People are really making an effort to conserve. They're cutting back on their outdoor watering. They're letting their lawns, you know, go from a nice dark green to a brown color. And everybody's making, not everybody, but most people are making a big effort to reduce their household water use. And businesses are conserving too. Farmers are cutting way back. They're finding ways to plant crops that use less water. They're letting the crops that are very water intensive, which now become basically very expensive, to disappear. So that's a good effort there, but it's, it's definitely hitting them in their pocketbooks. So when I kind of look at it, 
The biggest factor in California water use is really economic. It's like any other thing we purchase. Water is a commodity. And as the price of a commodity goes up, our purchases will go down. I mean, we've seen that with food, with gasoline, with everything. And water is the same way. Now, water, in my view, has always been a hard commodity to conserve. Why? Because people don't know what water costs. I mean, you literally just flush the toilet or turn on the tap and there's abundant water coming out. You don't even know how to measure it. And then every two months you'd get this obscure water bill and it usually wouldn't be that expensive. And you really wouldn't worry about how much that water costs. And so my view is you really can't conserve something if you can't measure it. Now, we did a show last year when we talked about the cost of water for homeowners. Now, the water during that show, it's like a year, year and a half ago, used to be about a half a penny a gallon. And I just looked at what an average water bill was and figured out how many cubic feet and then figured out how many gallons and what the dollars were. It works out to water's about half a penny a gallon. That's if you get it from the tap. If you go and buy you know, a one-pint bottle of bottled water in the supermarket, that could cost you $2. Then eight of those pints in a gallon or 16 in a gallon. So it's really expensive if you buy it in a small container. But water coming out of the tap is relatively inexpensive. Now, what happened, and this is a smart thing, what happened is the California government basically increased our water rates. They said we have to conserve, and one way to conserve is to basically increase the cost of water. Now, when you kind of look at what happens to increase in the cost of the water, yes, the farmers got hit very, very quickly and very directly, but the indoor, the residential usage of water also was significantly impacted. All right, so 8% of the California water is used for indoor residential use. And they talk about a number of about 100 gallons per person per day. So I like to think about your water usage, and this is kind of a good way to see, you know, how can I cut back on water usage? Think about water in terms of a container that the water goes in. So if you're filling up your tub, that's a really big container. If you're taking a shower, you know, kind of imagine what happens if you plug the drain in the shower, the bottom of that shower is going to fill out. That's a big container. Tub's a lot bigger than a shower. A toilet. Toilet is about gallon, one to two gallons per toilet flush. So that's a smaller container, but you, you know, flush a few times a day. The dishwasher and the clothes washer, if you're filling the washing machine, that's a pretty big basin of water in there, and, and the dishwasher is kind of the size of a big sink. So you're using more water there compared to a bathroom sink, a small sink, and even compared to a glass of drinking water. It's just filling a glass. So when you think about it in terms of containers, the place where we're going to make the biggest impact on our water usage is the place where we have the biggest containers. You're not going to save a lot of water by having four glasses of water during the day instead of eight glasses of drinking water during the day. But you can save a lot of water by taking a quicker shower or changing from a bath to a shower. Now, 8% is for indoor residential use. 5% of California water usage is for home irrigation, outdoor irrigation. That's lawns and gardens. It probably also includes swimming pools. So this is interesting. 5% of the home water is for outdoor irrigation, but it only applies to single-family homes because people who are living in apartments or condos don't have lawns and gardens and swimming pools that they have to water. And what happens is this outdoor water usage hits people really hard. 
because we're using so much water. A lawn or a swimming pool is a really big container. And when we're watering our lawn, you know, we're trying to put down enough water that you see in a big rainstorm to get that grass growing. Or if you've got to refill a leaky pool, that's a lot of water. So what's happened is people have been really responding very well to the governor and the state's calls for reducing water consumption. But the bills are still high. And you have to cut back on everything. And it's easy kind of to cut back in the bathroom and you know, taking quicker showers and things like that. And it's easy to kind of cut back a little bit on your outdoor water usage. But the outdoor water usage is still such a big factor that it's hard to really significantly reduce it. And we, you know, our family, you know, where we live, is we did all the normal indoor water measures. We have a bucket in the shower. We flush the toilet less often. We wash our clothes in bigger loads instead of smaller loads. The dishwasher's always full when we wash. We try not to wash too many dishes in the sink because washing in the sink uses more than washing the dishwasher. But the outdoor water usage was still the biggest user. We pretty much... The outdoor water usage was still the biggest user. So we let the lawn go from a nice green to like a greenish brown. Didn't completely give up on it, but we cut back on the amount of water that we were watering outside by about half. That's easy to do. Instead of watering each sprinkler zone for 10 minutes, we changed it to 5 minutes. We're still watering the vegetable garden, but the vegetable garden has drip irrigation, so that's very efficient. And we cut back on watering our fruit trees. The fruit trees need a lot of water. We have oranges and apples and figs and stuff like that. And, you know, unfortunately, some of these trees have gotten pretty stressed. I hope they come back when it rains. But when I compare an old water bill to our current water bill, our current water bill that we got this year, um, the May and June water bill, we got it in July, I was amazed that we're paying even more. So let's look at last year's water bill in May and June. So last year, we used 6,700 cubic feet, or 50,116 gallons. So it's 50,000 gallons in two months, 25,000 gallons a month. It works out to be 849 gallons a day. You know, these numbers seem to be really big. We only have three people living in the house. And when I kind of looked at it, most of the water usage was probably for watering the lawn. So as I said, we cut back the sprinklers from 10 minutes to 5 minutes. And our bill last May and June was $200 for two months. So it's $100 a month. And that worked out to be about 0.4 cents a gallon. It's a little less than half a penny a gallon. So I just think half a penny a gallon is what we were paying last year for 50,000 gallons. Our bill was $200. So we really cut back. We cut back the sprinklers, we cut back the watering the plants, the trees, we cut back inside the house, and we were kind of looking forward to a much lower water bill. But surprise, surprise, we got a bill that was even bigger this year. And the reason is there are a lot of new water surcharges and penalties. Your water bill now looks like your electric bill with all these taxes and surcharges. The more water you use, the higher the water rate is. It's just like taxes. The higher your income bracket, the higher your taxes are. It's just like your electric bill in California's tiered rates. The more electricity you use, you're billed at a higher rate. So this May and June, after all these efforts, we used 3,300 cubic feet or about 25,000 gallons. So we went back from 800, we cut back half from 850 gallons a day to 425 gallons a day. It was great. We were happy. 
and did everything. But our bill was even more than last year. Our bill last couple months was $224, and that works out to be about 0.9 cents a gallon. So it's like a penny a gallon. So what happened? Even though we cut back our water usage by half, the price of water went up by more than half. So it's, it's close to a penny a gallon. And so I was amazed. It's like, we've done everything. We're still spending. Now it's even more than $100 a month on water. What do we do? Well, we reduced our lawn watering. We reduced our indoor usage. We really can't see how we can reduce our indoor water usage much more. It's not like we can really stop watering the lawn or anything. We really can't reduce our indoor water usage much more. It's not like we can stop using the bathroom or the showers or you know washing your dishes. The only thing we can really do is stop watering the lawn because the garden isn't using that much water. So we're going to let the brownish green lawn pretty much die out. We're kind of giving up on it. And it's just going to turn brown like some of our other neighbors. Some of our other neighbors still have a green lawn. But I found that even trying to keep the lawn slightly green uses too much water. Now, at our old house, we used to have a swimming pool. If you have swimming pools, you got to watch out because just the evaporation from our swimming pool can be about 7,000 gallons a year. That's going to work out to about $70 a year. What happens for a lot of people in, in certain areas is you get cracks in the pool, and that's going to result in much bigger water losses, and it's really hard to fill in those cracks. So my suggestion is... What you want to do is you want to get a pool cover to cut back on that evaporative water use and then do whatever you can to fix the cracks in the pool. It's kind of hard to do right now if the pool is full of water, but you might want to think about you know, having a pool expert come in and finding a way to do that. So why are we motivated to cut back even more? Why do we have to do this? Well, the statewide drought is continuing. You know, we really can't count on what's going to happen with the weather. So we all have to kind of pull together and find out how to reduce that water usage. And I kind of look at it for our house. And the best way to really make a dent in it is just stop all that green lawn irrigation. Now, it's interesting you're talking about the water usage outdoors. A friend of ours had a leak in one of their underground sprinkler lines. And sometimes, you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal. And you might see a soggy area of the lawn where there's some seepage. Well, they finally noticed it because their water bill was $1,800 for two months. That's insane. That's $900. I mean, ours is, you know, ours, ours was only 200 So these leaks are not that unusual and they're not that apparent. So if you see a spike in your water usage, you've got to look around for that leak. And if you see an area of your lawn that's kind of soggy, especially around where the sprinklers are, you better call your sprinkler guy or your garden guy right away to find out what's leaking over there. Because you're responsible for any of the leaks that happen from the water meter at the street anywhere in your house. And actually, last year, we replaced the water line, the main water line that went from the street all the way to the house, because that was really, it was like 50 years old. It was probably galvanized pipe and was leaking, and we replaced it with copper pipes so that it wouldn't leak. Now, it's great that California homeowners and California businesses and California farmers are doing a really great job to conserve, but now that people are looking at their recent water bills and they're seeing them skyrocket, even after we've gone through this conservation, their reaction is going to be pretty similar to mine, which is we got to do even more. And outdoor water usage is the biggest savings opportunity, kind of giving up on that American dream of a nice green lawn is pretty much the only thing you can do to keep your water bill 
from continuing to go up, you know, to get that water bill down to like $50 a month where it really should be. Now, unfortunately, this is going to hit the gardeners pretty hard. There's no grass to mow. Although when the winter comes back and we start to get rain, there's going to be more work for the gardeners because they're going to have to kind of replant the grass and rake up all that grass. But, you know, another good option is what some people are doing, which is they're getting, they're putting in native plants and grasses. So instead of a green lawn, put in native plants and grasses and, you know, more of a desert type landscape. Or you can put in artificial lawns. The people that are putting in artificial turf, it, it looks very bright green, but doesn't require very much maintenance or any watering. Try and figure out what you can do for some of the trees. You might want to get some native trees that aren't going to use as much water. Now, the bottom line is that we're all going to experience much higher water rates, and that's not going to change. I mean, I, I don't see us backing away from these high water rates for years until we actually figure out, you know, until the, the drought is over. And if it rains a lot this year, that's not going to be enough to end the drought. I would expect that the state would continue these water conservation measures in place because it's going to take three or four years of heavy rain before we're able to really kind of get through this. So people are going to find ways to conserve more. And what we kind of discovered here is that pretty much the only way to do it is let your lawn die. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's what we got to do. Now, what I also find very interesting is that a lot of the electricity in California is generated from hydroelectricity. And basically where the water in the dams and the reservoirs come from is the Sierra snowmelt. But we've had a very hot summer and a very hot fall. That means that there's been high demands for electricity. And normally the state would be letting water go through the dams, through the, the intake valves of the turbines to generate a lot of electricity on these hot summer afternoons. But we haven't had enough water behind the dams to really do that. But amazingly, and luckily, there's been enough extra generating capacity in California from wind and especially from these big solar farms all over and from lots of rooftop solar that mean that we haven't had any brownouts or blackouts. I mean, zero this year, which is really, really good. And that's mainly because we've had so much extra generating capacity put in from solar and also from wind. So to kind of put that in perspective, here's some numbers. We used to have 7,400 megawatts of hydroelectric generation. Now, because of the fact that there's no water behind the dams, we have 4,700 megawatts of hydroelectric generation. But we've added about 2,300 megawatts of solar and wind generation at the utilities. And that's not including what people have on the rooftops, which is probably another few thousand megawatts. So we've got about the same amount of generating capacity now as we did before, even though the hydro is kind of really, really cut back. So California is pretty much okay as far as electric generation, but this drought is continuing. And the painful economics of more expensive water creates the motivation for us to make sacrifices in the places where we're using the water the most. And for many homeowners, that sacrifice happens on your green lawn. It's going to turn brown. But we also need long-term solutions. And there are some long-term solutions in terms of more dams, in terms of maybe changing the way California uses its water, in terms of desalinization plants, in terms of more solar and wind, because if we have more solar and wind plants, we're going to use less for electric generation. And then, you know, people are going to become accustomed to less, uh, fewer green lawns, or maybe smaller green lawns. And then the farmers are really looking at more efficient ways to irrigate their crops. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's energy show. 
Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. (laughs) 